We have this group. We have a group in the barn. We have people in the cars. say to the people in the barn glad to have you the people in the cars keep your seats upright eyes open <laughs> coffee at your side we finished this morning mark chapter four mark chapter four with great speed we go through the gospel of mark <laughs> We come to a passage this morning that I think is exciting. I think it's one of the most action-packed few verses. And I want us to consider some things. I have a question for you. This sermon is around one, one um, question that I have for you this morning, have for me. It's a question that I have a lot for myself as I study Scripture. Here's the question, do we? Yeah, that's the question. But it, we're, I'm going to have to tell you how I come to that question. Do we? The question is, do we? This is exciting. We have been learning about the distractions of life. The Lord had his distractions, his family, his enemies, uh, friends. They distracted him. They tried to distract him. He would not be distracted. He taught us how to go through distraction, and that is just keep going. Stay on the course. Don't be distracted. In, the next, in this chapter, we've learned this. Here are the distractions that come in our lives. And the greater not, and the greater part and the greater number is in the parable of the sower where he said the cares of this world, the lust of other things, and the deceitfulness of riches, they will distract you. If you can be distracted, if you will be distracted, you will be distracted. The cares of this life, more uh, truthfully, more accurately, in his original tongue, what he said, the, the distractions of the age. And that's, that means more, actually, because it's different distractions in our age than in the age that he was speaking to. They were not concerned about insurance and car payments and house payments and keeping their Internet going. They had other distractions, but the Lord said they're still distractions, and they will distract you from doing what I called you to do. In every age, God said, I... I've given you as my children. If you're born again, if you're a Christian, I'm not speaking to unbelievers, he said, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of mine, I have equipped you and given you a job. And I want you to do that job in your circle. I gave you to a family, I gave you to a group, I gave you to a place, and I want you to do what I've called you to do in your place. That's hard to believe and hard to understand for a lot of people. A lot of people want to be well-known and, and be published, and they want to be wealthy and, and have titles and all kinds of things. The Lord said, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the, the honest and sincere and the faithful person in your everyday life. That's what I'm looking for, the tortoise and the hare. You'll get more done by living faithful to me in your circle than trying to be somebody all your life. And let me tell you this. If you think you're somebody and you, you earn a position where you're somebody, your peers are not enamored with you. They want to take you down. What the Lord says, I love you. I called you. I equipped you. Do it. Do it for me. Show a life of gratitude. And so we come to this passage the Lord talked about, showed his distractions. Chapter 1, he was distracted by the first time he went to the synagogue to teach as the Messiah. He came in and introduced, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. He came into the synagogue and an unclean spirit stood up and screamed out and hollered out in the, in the worship hour. And the Lord rebuked him and commanded him. And he was silenced. He then chose his disciples. And all these distractions began to come into his life. Then he taught us how to deal with our distractions early in this chapter. And now we come to this part of it, which the disciples are now young disciples. This is new stuff to them. They're watching a man heal a withered hand. He tells demons to shut up and sit down, and they obey. He tells a hand to be restored as the other arm, and it does. What does that get? Anger from the proud. Awe. Oh. 
humble. And they see this man. He goes through the distractions and he begins to teach in these parables that have a wisdom they don't, they don't know. They've never seen before. There's a wisdom to this man. There's a power to this man. There's an authority to this man. And now after a long day of healing and teaching, verse 35. And that same day, when even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when he had sent the multitude, he sent away the multitude, they had sent him away, they took him as he was in the ship. And there also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat onto the ship so that it was now full. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Isn't that fun? Father, we thank you for this hour. Father, we thank you for this hour, asking that you would be here with us. We are certainly and surely gathered in your name. We ask now for instruction from the Holy Spirit, that your presence would be here to calm us, to give us peace, that the cares of this world the daily cares be pushed out for this hour. Help us not to worry or to think or to consider those things now, but to just be in your presence. May we marvel as the first disciple did at your power. May we have a great understanding of what you're having taught here when we leave this place. But Father, mostly may we have an encounter with you this morning. May we understand and know that we're in your presence and find the glory of it. Father, illuminate the words to our heart. Teach us the passage. Show us what your instruction would be through your Holy Spirit. Give us application that would give us strength and guidance in our days. Lord, we thank you for the audience here this morning. Those in the hearing of what we're saying this morning, pray that you would just touch each heart, instruct each mind, and give peace and joy as we hear from you. Thank you now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is that a fun passage? The boat was full. They were scared. They rebuked him. That's not good business. I don't know what you believe about the Bible, about the Lord Jesus Christ, or how your Christian life is ordered, but uh, it's not good business to rebuke Jesus. Peter often did that, or he did it more than the others anyway. Peter rebuked the Lord from time to time, but here they got on and they scolded Jesus. Now you can scold each other. Scold your wife and see what you get. Scold your kids, and you can scold some people, but it's not good business to scold Jesus. And when they ask him, don't you even care? Isn't that a little arrogant? They rebuked him before he rebuked them. To say to Jesus, don't you care? I have a question this morning, and it is this. The question is, do we? Just let you think about that for a minute as we get to the reason I asked the question. So we come from the teaching of distractions. We have been reading about, studying about the Lord's ministry started with a distraction of a demonic in the, in the synagogue. And he shut him down. He was distracted by other people, his friends, his neighbors, his enemies. He was distracted, but he went right through them. He gave answers that annihilated the reason they were distracting him. He showed the silliness and the lack of utility in what they were doing by his answers. He just shut them down. The world is going to try to stop you 
if you have a profession of Christ. The world is. You will meet kind people. You will meet fellow Christians. You will be congratulated by a few, but you will be put off by most. If you have a witness for Jesus Christ, most people will think you a fool. Most people in this generation don't even tolerate what they did a generation ago. They're very vocal and very angry and very outspoken against believing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit in the person of this Jesus Christ the Messiah. Angry. We live now in an angry world. Don't let that shake you. We learn from Jesus that distractions are going to come, distractions are going to come, and there are many, and they are varied. What we learn now in this last passage is the distractions come, the distractions come. What do we do when destruction comes? What, what, what about when it heats up? It's one thing to be battered at. It's one thing to be called a fool. It's one thing to be ridiculed and made fun of. But now we're fighting for our very lives, our physical lives. What do we do? Lord, do you not care that we perish? Have you ever been close to perishing, do you think? I've seen some of you drive. I've been close to perishing around you. Have you, have you ever been close to perishing? I'm, I've had heart surgery where the doctor said to my wife and me, I don't know how you walked in here, you were, you were hours away from heart failure. And I knew it. That's why I went. I don't go to the doctor because I think it's Tuesday. I am kind of have a free schedule. I believe I'll go to the hospital for a while. I don't do that, and I don't know many men that do. Most men say I'm okay when they have a limb missing. Most men are ready to die and go, I just need some rest and some water, maybe a hot bath. Could you make a roast? And I'm one of those guys. If I'm sick, and I know I'm sick, I've had pneumonia. I was in bed for five and a half days in my, uh, 15 years ago. I was in bed sick. I told my kids. I need a glass of water by my bed, and I need you to very uh, strenuously leave me alone. Close the door, and if a smell comes out of there in three or four days, uh, <laughs> then I said, call Calvin. He's not in business anymore. Call the undertaker. Well, the smell came out. They called it. I was alive. That's how men are. What do we do when we're in the not distraction stage of our Christianity, but we're in the destruction stage. Got a call one day in the early years of this church. We were at the school building in Lawrence, and a woman called me who was a stalker of mine and said, I'm going to kill you today. I'm going to shoot you in the pulpit. She was deranged and demented. An average Christian. She was one of the congregation. I'm going to kill you today. And so I go to the church. My family stays home. I told the people as they came into the parking lot, this is a crazy group I've preached to for years. I told this group, there's a woman going to kill me today. Go home, everybody, and take your children to safety. And they said, safety, nothing. They came out <laughs> locked and loaded, ready for the day. <laughs> and the woman came with a gun, and someone took it away from her, and she was going to shoot me in the pulpit. Now, the Bible says no weapon formed, formed against me shall prosper, and I quoted that several times to myself and to the crowd. Being a Christian doesn't make you particularly popular. Matter of fact, it can make you hated. And there are some sick people out there. There are some sick people. Here's what we're running into in the world today. On any issue you have, you will find people... Before, if you disagreed, you disagreed. Now, if you disagree, you need to be eliminated. Now, if you disagree with my stance on whatever the issue, you're not needed anymore. You need to just go away. And I, and I could like to help you with that. What do we do when danger comes? What do we do when the distractions turn to destruction? And so I find this a very amazing and wonderful passage. And I want to ask you this morning to very carefully consider what I have to say. This is something I've been thinking about, building to, talking about, preaching about, studying for the last 25 to 30 years. This particular idea. 
This is the idea that will change, I promise you, everything in your life if you get a hold of it properly and do what the Lord says. This is the idea of the gospel, of the reason the Lord Jesus came, preached his message, gave his life on the cross, rose from the dead for your strength and mine, for your future and mine. This idea we're talking about this morning is the central and the powerful idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's right here after all the distractions and to the teaching of possible destruction. Almost every time the Lord spoke, he began his homily, he began his sermon, his message, his teaching with this, fear not. Fear not, comma. You see that in the Bible? Fear not. If the Lord, if God himself came and took on flesh and began teaching his, his creation, if he began his teaching with fear not, almost every time he spoke, he began with fear not, what is the most common malady of mankind? be afraid and I'm telling you fear is often often and mostly a terrible motivation fear is often the worst motivation sometimes it's really good train coming get off the track but fear of what you might think of me fear of what if fear of what if what if my finances collapse well hang on the Lord's going to show you how to get through that if you're afraid of your finances collapsing and what the outcome might be and you really fear that Hang on, you'll get to go through that and find out he's faithful in that too. Amen? Who here hasn't had a day when you looked at your bills and your balance and said, okay, uh, not jiving. And in, and in the time, short time, the Lord took care of it. He takes care of it for unbelievers. How about us? How about his own children? I had a bill before me one day that was $38,000 bigger than my checking account. $38,000 due in three days. Uh-oh. I hit my knees before God and said, God, I don't know how you're going to do that, but you've never failed me. I'm telling you right now, he paid that off in three days. He paid that off in three days. He paid it off the second day. Now I got to tell you, it was an IRS bill that I didn't know I had, and I called to get help, and I got someone down in Georgia, and we were talking, and she said something to me about the Lord, and I said, oh, he's good, and this is, this is a big one. I'm, 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 I even said to her, I'm, I'm excited to see how he takes care of this bill. Now that may have been the prompting the Holy Spirit used, but she said... Uh, Mr. Cunningham, and she said that in a way that I barely understood it because she was from Georgia. And they have their whole different language. They call it English. And I said, yes. And she said, you know, sir, uh, if I hit this button on my computer, that's going to go away. And so uh, my wife and ice cream, few they make my heart beat faster. But that one did. And I said, excuse me now. And she says, my little pinky, if it hits this button over here on the edge of my computer, it's going to go away. It'd be a zero balance. And so I started saying stuff to her. How can I make you hit that button? What can I say? <laughs> and she said, oh, 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 it's gone. That's the truth. Yeah. Can you imagine that? $38,000 gone. She said, it's deleted. Your balance is zero. I've had, a, I've had IRS people not be so kind over the last few years, but she was very kind. Gone. <laughs> what do we do when we come to a place of destruction? Let's look at these things very quickly. We have a lot to look at. We have a short time to do it. I have a lot of scriptures at the end of this message. I want you to look at some scriptures with me. There's two things about this passage that I want you to see before you go home that will change your life. One is this. I'm going to lay it right on the table. One is this. Proper fear. And the other is what we do with commands. Proper fear and what we do with commands. And so let's look at that one more time. They sent the multitude away. 
In verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat upon the ship so that it was now full. And the Lord, the Lord was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. He was tired. Now here's what I want you to get from that. He said to his disciples, let's get in a boat and go to the other side. When the Lord tells you, I have a job for you and this is what I want you to do, what if in the middle of that job it looks like it's going to be a total disaster and full of calamity? The Lord told me to do something. My best example is he called me to the ministry, the most inept, incapable man you've ever met in your life to be a minister. Oh, this was, this was not now. This was not uh, distraction. This was destruction. I've, I've given that testimony many times. The Lord called me to preach the gospel clearly. I was in his presence. He was speaking in, in a voice that I understood. He called me to preach the gospel. And I said, Lord, <laughs> I know who you are, but I don't think you know who I am. You know who you're talking to. And we had that conversation. And when I came to this conclusion, great peace came over me. I can't do it. And just as clear as you talking to me in this room in audible voice, the Lord said, good, now we both understand that. You can't do it. Isn't that good news that we don't have to do it? That when he gives us a job to do, we don't have to do it. As a matter of fact, he's saying this, once you keep your dirty little stinking hands off of it, because what man touches, he defiles. Why don't you do all that you need to do in the preparation and all that stuff and then get out of the way and let me do the job? That's how the Lord works in my life, and I think it's how he works in yours. So they get on the boat. They get on the boat. And these young disciples, they have never seen these things. They're just new to the game. They've seen the Lord say things, and things happen. He told demons, shut up and sit down. He told a withered hand be restored. He's teaching in these parables that have a wisdom they've never heard before. And they marvel. But now they're afraid. Now they're afraid. When he's in the synagogue and tells a man that's an unclean spirit, a demonic person standing and screaming in a very garbled voice and ask his name and he says, my name is, and he names the legion, he names the demon and he says, be muzzled, shut up, you shut up and, and come out. And that demon does those two things because he said so. I want to tell you as we move into this passage and I want to get through it actually very quickly, I want to, it's going to come to a conclusion very quickly. But I want to say this. I am thrilled to be saved and serving a God that says so. A God whose power is evident throughout the created universe and day-to-day -day life because he says so. That's authority. That's authority. I'm in the ministry today because he said so. I study very hard, and I believe I try to govern my life, steer my things, my, my passage through life on the directives of what he says so. And the question I have is, do we, do we believe that as Christians? Do we believe his commands have the authority and the power that the Bible says and history demonstrates. Do we? Do we? Now listen. Look, look, look in there. We're, we're not very far through Mark, but uh, look at verse 26 of chapter 1. And verse 26 says, And Jesus rebuked him. This was a demon. This was the unclean spirit. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. What happened? The Lord commanded, the demon obeyed. The Lord commanded, 
the demon obeyed. You get that? Look in verse 31 of chapter 1. 30, verse 30 says, Simon's wife's mother. Simon apparently loved his mother-in-law. Good little disciple that he was. And Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. And she ministered unto them. Authority over disease. At his command, the disease left. An unclean spirit. A disease. Verse 34. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. And suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. He commanded, they obeyed. Disease and demons. Now they see this. As he's teaching, they see this. They're on the water in a tempest, in a storm. One, one passage has the word that we use for tornado. One is akin to what we use now for tsunami. It was a bad storm. These were experienced fishermen afraid now because of the storm and said, Lord, Lord, really, do you not care that we perish? And again, rebuking the Lord is not good business. But they said to him, how can you sleep through this? Don't you even care about us? And in verse 39, it says, He arose and abuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. What happened? He commanded and nature obeyed. Demons obey, disease obey. Nature obeys. Do we? Do we? Jesus said it's in uh, John. It's in John 14 and it's verse 15 of John. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now go out and ask the average person on the street or uh, even in the church, do you love Jesus? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Do you keep his commandments? Isn't it fascinating what we do with that idea. Because unlike the creation, and you find it first in the book of Genesis, you find it says, and Jesus said, verse 3 of the book called the Bible in the creation story, the first thing spoken about the act, the action, the creation of God is in the person of Christ. He spoke and said, let there be light, and it obeyed him. Isn't that something? He commanded it obeyed. We find in the second of Genesis, and he said to the man, he said unto the man, and he commanded the man. And you, if you go, if you go to Second um, Corinthians in chapter four and verse six, Paul is giving a reaccount, reaccounting of the of the creation story and he said this Jesus Christ who commanded light to shine out of darkness it says in Genesis he said and it became Paul says and used the word correctly when he said it was command and he said let there be light and light came out of darkness at his command the universe obeyed his command the demons obey his command Nature obeys His command. We simply do not believe we're accountable to His commands as, an, as a group. As, well, as a group that's called Christians in America today and as people who fill this nation, we simply don't believe that we need to do what Jesus said. And here's what I want to tell you today. There are people who do not, and I want you to hear this very carefully, I want to say it very carefully, there are people who simply do not live in the biblical account and teaching of a blessing. 
I'm telling you right now, to be in America, you're pretty blessed. We have better here than the rest of the world. And we're ungrateful about it. We just want more. We deserve more. My generation, my generation deserved more than our parents had. And my children's generation deserve it without even working for it. That's the ungrateful attitude of America. Our parents worked hard and gave us much. No. We took that to another extreme and have too much. Our children believe they deserve to start where their parents left off, but no labor involved, no accountability, no responsibility. To the most part, there are some really good young people. There's even a few good old people. You don't know them. But there are some around that are very good old people. These people that love the Lord. Now listen, I want you to really consider what I'm saying because it changes everything. There are people who tell me, and here is, here is the proof that you're not living in the blessing. And to not live in the blessing doesn't mean you're living in a curse. It just means you're living outside God's full blessing. And here's how you get there. And here's how you know you're there. Let's go there first. Here's how you know you're outside the real blessing of God. You want something and you want something and you work for something. And you're, you're a hard worker. I don't take that away. You're a very hard worker. And if you're stayed married through those years, you're working together. God bless you. That's wonderful. But you're working and you're working. And you're, one of these days we're going to have this. And one of these days. And you get it. But it doesn't satisfy. It's not what you thought it would be. It's, it's not all that. It doesn't change much of anything. You don't love each other more. You don't respect each other more. You don't, and it just doesn't, it doesn't do what you thought it would do. The Lord said, if you come to me, I'll give you things. I'll give it to you and add my blessing to it. And you know what the blessing of the Lord is? A complete to the soul, satisfaction. It's all good. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I don't have the biggest house in town. I don't have the best house in town. I don't drive the newest car. I don't drive the fanciest car. But the car does run, and the house is warm. It's a good place to sleep. It's a good place to eat. It's a good place to be with the ones I love. I am so grateful. Or else there is this. I thought this would be more. I just thought it would be more. Can you put a face with what I'm talking about? Can you put a name with it? I thought it would be more. This doesn't satisfy. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the blessing is the Spirit of God pouring on and adding to. The curse is the absence of the Spirit of God taking away from and causing a curse. But in between those, and it's the greatest part of this life, in between those, Christians and non-Christians alike are living in the flesh. These are the people who get up Sunday morning, they get up during the week, they get up day to day, they live their lives moment by moment, and uh, uh, is, am I going to do what the Lord said? Will I fulfill His command? Not particularly. Not today. These are the people who get up on Sunday and decide, am I going to go to worship or not? Why? Because they're in charge. They're living in the flesh. They're living life as they command it to be. And I want to tell you what about them. They come to me day after day. Yeah, and I deal with it. Yet. They come to me day after day. And it's just not fulfilling. Something's not right. It doesn't work. We got what we were looking for. We, we worked hard for it. Again, taking nothing away from labor. God said to. But we got, we've got to that place. We have now what we've always wanted. We got that thing... But it's just not fulfilling like I thought it would be. You know, with the Lord's blessing, you can live in a cave and be so joyful. And without it, a mansion won't satisfy. You believe that? I've been in the real estate game for over 20 years now. I'm telling you what. It doesn't satisfy. An address, an amount, a, a title... An address. It doesn't satisfy. What do we have in this passage? What do we have in this passage? These men looked at the Lord and said, uh, first they were afraid they were going to drown. 
Then they got more afraid of him for causing them not to drown. That is the schizophrenia of mankind. But Jesus, and isn't he good to take a rebuke? However, how he took it was, he, he did it in order. He took the first problem, the storm, and calmed it. And then the Bible says he turned to his disciples and how is it you were afraid? Where's your faith? Does that not change everything? Does it not change everything? I want you to look with me in Proverbs in chapter 2. The book of Proverbs in chapter 2. Now we're going to do some rapid fire Bible reading. And I want to put together what I'm telling you and show it to you from the Bible. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, My son, if thou, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. That's an if. That's a condition. If you will receive my words, if you'll study the Bible and take in the Bible, appropriate the truths of the Bible, the Word of God, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou shalt incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and search for her as hid treasures, look at verse 5 with me very carefully, then, then, that's, that's the condition. That's the condition, the first four verses. 5 says, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Being afraid of God is not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the understanding of who He is to me, and I think other places in Scripture we'll see it in a minute. I'd rather I'd rather fail me than Him. I would rather dissatisfy myself than the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I would rather you be upset with me than Him. I'd rather my flesh feel like it's lacking than I'm lacking in what I should do for him. That's the fear of the Lord. Fear this holy God who says, I have a job for you. And if you'll receive my words, and if you will keep my commandments. Now, I'm telling you, the average Christian, and a lot of above average Christian, whatever that means to you, whatever it means, many, many Christians believe that they are totally in charge, and I'll keep his commandments when it's comfortable, when I want to, when... The weather is good, and when I have nothing else to do, I'll keep his commandments. Do you see with me, those of you who have been here, do you see with me the Bible is not what most people think it is? It is not a feel-good book of you go ahead and sin and act like a rabid dog, you live like a beast, and I will... <laughs> I know... I know that you sin and you're weak and you're a nasty little creature and I'm, I'm all good with that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you don't keep my commandments, you're going to live outside the blessing. And if you have the audacity to live in the blessing, even people who call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ will be mad at you. They will resent you and they'll talk bad about you. If I took the instruction of everyone who leaves this building and tells me what I should and shouldn't do, I wouldn't be here the next Sunday ever. If I believed all the bad things said about me because I stand and proclaim Jesus Christ and Him the only way to salvation, I wouldn't be here the next day. But you know what the Bible says? Jesus said, I am the way. I'm going to stand on that until He tells me different. Is that, in, is that exclusive? It is. Is it dogmatic? It is. But you can be all those things when you're absolutely right. And it's not about me being right. The Bible said, the Lord said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me, but by me. And I want to tell you people, and whoever is listening on this uh, hearing today, I believe that with everything in me. The great news is, I don't have to do anything except believe it and ask Him to save me. He did the work. I come to rest. 
come unto me, and I'll give you rest. It's a beautiful thing. You just have to be humble enough to accept that and live in the blessing. Proverbs chapter 1, one page back. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8, and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Are you a bragger? Are you telling everybody how good you are? The Lord says if you're good enough, they'll tell you. If it's true, they'll tell you. Let others, let others' lips praise thee, the Bible says. Let the lips of others praise thee. The fear of the Lord. Look at chapter 9. Where am I? And verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Do you live in the blessing? Or do, have, you worked all, have you worked so hard and you've gotten so far and you've gained all that you wanted to gain, but it just simply isn't what you're looking for? It doesn't satisfy? Okay, Proverbs chapter 10. Look at verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a pratting fool shall fall. The wise in heart shall receive commandments, but the pratting fool, the man who ruins his own life with his mouth, I don't need to. I don't need the Lord. I'm a man. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. Macho. I've heard more about that than the scriptural part of my messages. Apparently hit some nerves. I don't need the Lord. I don't need the Lord. I'm a pretty smart guy, pretty capable guy, and uh, I'll just run my own life, thank you. I might even go to church from time to time because that really is something big. But the Lord says, if you receive my commandments, you'll have wisdom and live in the blessing. Now, look at 2 Thessalonians, if you would. The book of 2 Thessalonians. Look at verse 9. Start with verse 9. It says, who, speaking of a group here, but we'll get to it, speaking of a group, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? Do you understand what hell is? I know very little about hell, but I know this. It is a place that is devoid of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is light, so it's dark, but it's devoid of the, all the goodness of the world, of the universe. And so he's talking, Paul is talking here and he says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? And then look at chapter 2 and, and verse 10. It says now, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And that's what the, that's what the phrase from the presence of the Lord means. It's a perishing idea. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, or better, the lie. The Lord said, I am the truth. I am the way and the truth. He's the truth. Satan is the lie. To walk in this world and not come to the person of Christ and the idea that I need to follow his commandments is to be someone in deception and delusion Believing the lie. You think you're big? You think you're tough? Let the years roll by. 
and let your skeleton begin to break down inside your body. You start walking like a monkey who's been hit by a car. It hurts to get up, it hurts to get down. All the dreams of youth now are illusion. And what happens is, and what matters most is this, what did you do with the life I gave you? How did you spend your strength, and how did you spend your provision? How did you spend it? Read the book of Ecclesiastes, read the last chapter. The total conclusion is this, fear God. Fear God. What does that mean? It means believe what he says. Live in the blessing. Obey the commandments. Be productive in your strength, in your youth, in the years that you can. While you still know who you are and who he is. You can come to a place, and it varies with age, where you don't have much of a memory anymore. You depend on people to do everything for you. Everything for you. And the Lord says, you put in the years that mattered. You put in the years that mattered. You will be judged on what you did with the life and the mind and the equipment I gave you. That's the judgment. What did you do? Verse 12, and we end this morning. It says this, and they all might be damned. Verse 12 of Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, that they all might be damned, again, away from the presence of the Lord, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I don't need to fellowship with Christians. I don't need to learn the Bible. I will run my own life. I am a smart, capable, manly, womanly, capable individual. And uh, the only reason people don't know that is people aren't smart enough to see how smart I am. I live in a group that aren't as bright as I am, and that's just the malady of mankind. I can deal with that. I don't need this God to rule my life. I'm telling you this morning. We're going to look at three more verses and go home. I'm telling you this morning. First John. Going back to First John. Back of your Bible. Following the Lord, doing His command is the greatest need of your life. And you're going to meet Him one day and give account of how you spent this life. 1 John, chapter 3, just before the revelation, 1 John, three and verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given to us. If you're living in the, in the blessing and the Spirit of God, there's a confirmation of the Holy Spirit that just makes you have a peace of soul. Your soul and your mind and your heart are at peace. Chapter 4 and verse 21. The last verse of chapter 4. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loved God, he who loveth God, loveth also his brother. Chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. If you really love God and he commands something, it's not hard to do. If you don't love God, getting to church is an effort. Opening the Bible is an effort. Matter of fact, it's not even much of an effort because people don't even do it. And I close with this last verse. John, the gospel, don't turn there particularly, but John 14 and verse 15 says this. And the Lord teaching his disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. How does God measure love? You go back to the Old Testament and, he, and, and the Lord recites it in the New Testament. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know what the Lord said? We're not fooled. We're not fooled by your mouth and by your talk. The Lord says, the Father and the Spirit and I, we know your heart. You, oh, you talk a big story and you brag it up, but you don't mean a thing about it. You don't mean a thing by it. You don't love me. Now, harsh, isn't it? 
it can be very harsh to the people who want to be other than a worshiper of God. It's very harsh to know that as life comes along and the, the body begins to fall apart, even though I've accumulated many, many things, the satisfaction is not what I thought it would be. That's living outside the blessing of God. Or you can just say this. Lord, you're so good to me. You are so good to me. I don't deserve that. Thank you. I have healthy children. I have healthy grandchildren. I have a place to sleep. I clearly am getting enough to eat. Cars run, usually. I don't have to go to the grocery store and count pennies if I want to buy butter and celery. And most people, Americans, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your tremendous love and blessing. Help me to always remember. Help me to know. Help me to always be grateful. Which is the word we end with. You know you're in the blessing if you have a grateful heart. Not long ago, my back went out on me, and I, I couldn't put my belt through the back loops of my pants. I had to put my belt in my pants on the bed before I put them on. I never hurt like that in my life. Wasn't very long into that problem, but I thought, I, the Lord showed me. I'm watching you walk. Watching you walk. The Lord said, Walk as I walk. I was crippled. And the Lord showed me spiritually, I'm crippled. I need Him to hold my hand. I need Him. Do you need Him? Do you need Him this morning? Oh, you do. If you don't, you'll never be grateful because you think you're doing it all by yourself. And you'll be unsatisfied because you're doing it all by yourself. Double-edged sword. Father, we thank you for the time. Thank you now that you've blessed us so much. May we all come to a wonderful understanding, a powerful and life-changing understanding. It's all from you. Yeah, we work for it, but you gave us the strength and the air, the life and the mind and the eyes and the hands. And Lord, it's all yours. If we come to the understanding, I, I'm not praying this for anyone else, but all that I have is yours, and I'm merely a steward of your things, and I'm grateful for what you've given me, the comforts, the joy. Thank you now, in Jesus' name.